Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Good to hear. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Hopefully you like it. Good stuff. Yeah, good. I like good good stuff. Thank you. Like I, I, I have to give you. I, I I briefly mentioned to you uh, through a text message. I think about uh, of all things that you probably hear somebody comment about was your your audio quality. So wanted to make sure I mentioned that to you here because <laughs> uh, it, it it goes a long way. It goes a long way. So. I appreciate that a lot, and uh, you know it does. Uh, it takes some money to to get that quality, and uh, I just wasn't comfortable with producing anything that was going to be subpar because I know, being a co- podcast listener myself, 
where the audio audio quality is poor, it, it, it's a it's a difficult thing to to continue to listen to, even if the subject matter is great. Yep. Man, if it's if it's taxing to your your ear and your brain while you're listening to it, sometimes it's just not worth it. Yeah, I I completely agree. I have several podcasts that I discovered well into their, you know, the, the 30, 40 episodes in or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, really, really like the podcast and then dial back to, to, to go back to episode one to start listening to it from the beginning. And <laughs> there's a couple of them, the first few episodes, but I, I, you know, I can't even, I can't get through five minutes of it because their, yeah, their audio quality is so terrible. So, in, but, uh, in, no, in, in fairness to them, I'm sorry, in fairness to them, um, I don't know that many people, uh, especially just starting out, were, were willing to uh, go to the expense of uh, high-quality audio stuff, uh, recording equipment, yeah. um, without finding out if, if it was going <laughs> to net them uh, a lot of listeners. I, on the other hand, I kind of, my, my brain set is, uh, let's, let's not do it half ass. If we're going to do it, right. let's do it. And, and I dumped the money in before I knew it was going to take off. So, um, I am very, very happy and very fortunate that, uh, it's done as well as it has. So it, it is completely worth it. So, but that's enough about me. Let's get into you and how you got into the subject of, uh, researching the big hairy guy. Well, you know, I, I, I'll go back to, you know, my childhood, and you and I have talked about it a little bit, but uh, I think the first, the first full book that I read in elementary school that I could, that I, I always had a, uh, you know, short attention span, especially for reading, but I think uh, the first book that I, I read, and I can't remember the title of it, but it was a, it was a, it was a split, and I believe it was a Loch Ness Monster for half the book and Bigfoot Sasquatch for the second half of the book. And that kind of, you know, piqued my, I guess my awareness and interest of something like that. And then, you know, there was some other program. It was pretty hot in the seventies. So, you know, I was, was in elementary school in the seventies and, and it was, you know, there was a lot of different programs and it was, it was pretty hot in the seventies and there was a lot of stuff on there on television about it. And, uh, I remember some of the stuff just scaring me to death. As a, as a kid, I remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I don't know if I'm, I'm laughing because I, I lived the same life you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember one program in particular, and I, and I can't remember for the life of me if it was like a dramatic reenaction type program, if it was fictional or what it was. But one of the one of the scenes, or the only scene of the whole thing that really sticks in my mind was this Bigfoot walking up to these people's house and peering into the window. And that scared the crap out of me. Um, so, you know, from that point on, I always, you know, Bigfoot was always, you know, in, in the back of my, in, in, somewhere in my psyche, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, um, you know, I didn't, you know, I became a teenager, didn't think about it very much. And uh, I, had an, um, I had an occurrence hunting with my stepfather, um, and I would have been, I would have been 14, 15 at the most. I can't, I can't remember honestly if at this point in time, if it was the first season that I was, that I was actually out hunting that I was old enough to hunt or if it was the second season. So 
I'm going to say I was around 14 or 15. We were in the woods. Not It was um, Manistee National Forest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we... The, the thing is, is that at the time I should probably, I should probably pre-qualify this was that I, I had no idea that this was possibly a Bigfoot type encounter or, um, you know, uh, in, you know, in, um, any, anything to do with Bigfoot, I guess, until sometime later on, it just wasn't, it didn't occur to me. Um, that that's what it could have been. We actually thought my stepdad actually thought that it was another hunter or some such person that was trying to, you know, maybe thought we were sitting in their spot and they weren't happy about it and they were trying to scare us off or what. But, um, you know, we went in, we went into the woods. It was, you know, pre-dawn, of course, like you always do. It was during, during gun season, regular gun season. Um, and we, you know, we, we hunt in these woods at the time we were hunting in some woods that were not too, not too far from the town of Irons, uh, if you know where that is. Mm-hmm. And, um, which it's, it's definitely up north, but you know, as you think about it later on, or as I thought about it later on, I thought to myself when I first kind of put it, started connecting the dots going, you know what, maybe that was Bigfoot with us, but it's it's so close to you know irons it's not yeah it's up north but it's not that deep in the woods you would think you know we weren't even a mile probably off you know off the main road in in the woods but um you know now with some of the information that's out there now and theories that people have now you know that's (laughs) you know some of these things are, are showing up in in you know urban areas well, now that you now that you mention that, um, it, it is the the more that I dig into it, the more outlets there are for people to um, relay their experiences. You know, via different YouTube channels that uh, have have people that are reading their experiences and uh, different podcasts that that do the same. It is becoming very apparent that you do not have to be eight miles up in the Sierras or right. it smack dab in the middle of the Pacific Northwest to have an experience with these creatures. They are extremely, extremely close and in suburban areas. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, to, to think of that, it, it, you know, to, to me, a lot of people say, well, I believe in, uh, you know, cause if you look at, if you look at certain, um, research organizations' websites, they have some sightings that are reported, you know, basically, I live in, I live in um, uh, the greater Kalamazoo, Michigan area. Um, and there's, you know, there's been sightings in this area, and I've, I've spoke to people about it. And I've personally never had a sighting in this area, but I've spoken to other people about it because, you know, like I, I think I had mentioned to you, anybody that's been in my presence for more than 10 minutes or so, uh, they're going to, they're going to find out that I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast, you know, I'm just not, I, I don't really mind people, you know, I can take the tea, you know, people tease me and make fun of me and, and, and uh, I don't care. You know, that's, that's fine. If, if, you know, you think I'm a kook because I believe in, in this phenomenon, uh, then, you know, there's worse things in life than that. But, um, I agree a hundred percent. I, my, my obsession with UFOs, uh, was in full swing by the time I was five. 
and uh, yeah. just just about as big of a, an obsession with uh, Bigfoot by the time I was about seven. And I'm yeah. I'm into my fifties now, and I'm I'm at the point where, listen, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. If you think it's a yeah. if you think it's a, a a kook fest, I don't give a shit. I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I, I know myself well enough to know that I am a uh, I'm a well educated. I'm a very uh, I wouldn't say very intelligent, but I'm an intelligent man. I, I know the difference between right and wrong, and I can smell bullshit a mile away. I would not have spent this much of my life wrapped into just the the idealistic thought that oh I wish these things were real. I I honestly think that you know and uh, some validation as far as the UFO stuff. I mean the U.S. government is finally coming out and and uh, uh, showing some of the the video footage that have been captured by the uh, the aviators and uh, yep. they're admitting that they don't know what the hell it is. So, yep. Well, um, you're probably uh, quite familiar, not to get off the subject too much, but you're probably quite familiar with uh, all those sightings that went on. Listening to your last show, knowing that you're uh, that you frequented uh, South Haven quite a bit, you probably are pretty familiar with those sightings. I believe it was in '94. All yes. those sightings in that area over the lake and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. In and around yeah. South Haven and the uh, the Grand Mirror yeah. State Park. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I actually so, had a friend of mine I, that I I worked with uh, up until about six months ago. Um, never really talked about this kind of stuff with him, but when he first uh, got wind that I was doing a podcast, and the, this was the small local podcast that I do uh, for our local community, he uh, he pulled me off to the side, and he's like, me and a couple of yeah. friends, we were up at Grand Mirror, and he says, I saw I saw two of them come across the lake from you know from chicago headed this way and he said uh, about 30 30 to 45 seconds after they passed overhead there were two military jets that were in pursuit mm. and, he, and he said all all six of us that were out there he said all six of us just kind of looked at each other and said what in the hell is going on <laughs> but yeah they were they were actually at grand mirror street uh, state park um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. If you, if you listen to, you know, the dispatch recordings and stuff, and it, I mean, you can just Google that now and there's, uh, you know, I, I remember, I vaguely remember it, um, and, and hearing about it, I think on the news, but, uh, you know, a while back I, I stumbled upon a, uh, podcast where they were, they were talking about it. And I thought, oh, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I, re- I sort of remember that, but, um, yeah, and my, my first, uh, my first knowledge of it was, actually hearing people in South Haven talking about it. Yeah. We, had, uh, we had gone to dinner uh, as a as a family. My mom and dad's uh, boat was up there, and we went there. Uh, I think it was a, must have been either a Friday or a Saturday night. We went to dinner in town, and the, the people that were sitting in the booth beside us were, uh, were talking about it. That's when I overheard it. Yeah, there's uh, crazy stuff that happens in this, <laughs> in this world. That's, that's kind of what brought you and I together so exactly yeah (laughs) all right so you let's get back onto the the bigfoot track here yeah yeah so um you know we were getting back to my my hunting story we were my my stepdad and i are sitting in the woods and you know we we start hearing this crackling of branches breaking and it's not just 
you know, if you sit in the woods long enough, uh, you know, you're going to hear, you're going to hear a lot of strange stuff. There's just a lot of strange stuff, especially at night. Um, you know, I spent a lot of hours before dawn and after dark in the woods for, you know, for, you know, either hunting or, you know, uh, research, whatever it may have been. And, and, you know, you hear a lot of weird stuff, but this was very deliberate. And it didn't sound like somebody had, you know, a twig that they picked up off the ground. It, what it sounded like to me was somebody reaching up and pulling fairly good-sized branches off a tree and busting them off the tree and then breaking them in half. Um, and it just, you know, and, and, you know, of course, I get scared, and, you know, and I almost kind of elbow my stepdad and say, yeah, you know, yeah, I heard that. Was, you know, some other damn hunter trying to, you know, trying to either get us out of here or make it so we don't see anything either, you know. And then a, a little while later, I started feeling things, and it's, you know, it kind of sounded like it was, you know, maybe raining acorns or something on us, you know. And uh, uh, once daylight hit, it had died down pr- just previous to, you know, just as it's kind of like that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, the, the, I don't know what you would call it technically, but the morning equivalent to dusk, it's not quite light. It's not quite dark. Twilight. Uh, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, we're, it, it kind of stopped during twilight. And then as the sun came up, we're sitting there and I just kind of glance over my shoulder. Um, and I noticed a pebble on my hunting colt, right on the, like, kind of right caught in a crease almost on my hunting colt. And, uh, I just, you know, of course, showed to my stepdad. We talked about it later on, and, and, uh, you know, he's convinced it was, you know, some guys out there just trying to scare us off. Well, fast forward down the road, when I get, you know, I become an adult, and I get more interested, and I've had some more experiences, you know, not, not necessarily personal experiences, but more experience with the Bigfoot phenomenon, I kind of start putting two and two together and I'm like thinking to myself, well, wonder if that was Bigfoot, you know, mm-hmm. wonder if that was Bigfoot activity, Sasquatch activity. So later on down the road, because, you know, we had a cabin, uh, not too far from there later on in life, I've, I've gone back and I've actually hunted that spot before and, um, hunted that spot. Uh, last time we hunted that spot was about three years ago. And my oldest son, uh, we heard a, uh, a whoop. Um, and I thought, I thought I was going to have to, thought I was going to have to carry him out of the woods. I think he's going to have a heart attack. Um, it was, the, the funny thing was, is I was sitting in one blind and, uh, he was, you know, quite a distance, but not, you know, four or 500 yards away from me in another blind. And I heard it and I thought, Oh yeah, Hey, that sounds that sounds kind of familiar to me. Was that way off in the distance or can you, can you kind of gauge, uh, how far away you think that was from you? Um, you know, it was, it was quite a ways off in the distance. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to guess maybe, maybe a quarter of a mile from us, mm-hmm. um, which I, I guess isn't that far, but to me, a, a quarter mile, for me, or, or, or a normal person, quarter mile in the woods is, is a pretty good distance, especially in, in you know, with a lot of thick undergrowth and stuff like that. Um, this was, of course, regular, again, regular deer hunting season. 
uh, and this this winter was it was it was not this last pass, but the one before, so two years ago. And we had no, I think I'm sorry, I think that back was three seasons ago, and there was quite a bit of snow on the ground. Um, but it was you know it's so hard to judge distance, if, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't close by. It wasn't okay. it wasn't close enough that it would have would have made me feel uh, you know uncomfortable or, or get the sensation that, uh, that maybe, you know, maybe we should get out of there. Um, right. but you know, we heard it and it went, it went off and it did it, it did it three, three or four times. Um, oh, really? but the first time it happened, the first, the first whoop that we heard, and it was a definite whoop, um, 15 seconds. I, I noticed. Oh, that long of a duration. Phone. Pardon me? that long of a duration no i'm saying 15 seconds after the whoop happened oh i'm sorry um yeah within 15 seconds of that first whoop, um my i, I noticed the light on my phone light up <laughs> and i grab it and it's a text message from my son who was in the other blind and he's like did you hear that and before i could get the next text message typed out and sent to him it happened again. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was like, I'm not going to try to replicate it because I'm not, I'm not good at, at that. Um, but it was, you know, to me, it sounded very much like a, you know, um, you know, like maybe, uh, uh, you know, people describe them as, as, you know, like a primate type sound, mm-hmm. uh, a, a gibbon or something like that. It was, it was much more along that lines than, it, it wasn't a coyote. I, I know what coyotes sound like. Um, it wasn't some sort of a bird or any, any such animal like that. It was a very, it sounded like if, if a man had a very powerful, deep, strong voice, he could have, you know, made, try, trying to sound like a, a primate in the woods is what that sounded mm-hmm. like. And, uh, it, it did it three or four times. And then, um, you know, no other, no other occurrences, you know, during that hunting season or, or, or a whole lot of other ones. But, um, after I became interested in this, in the, in, you know, more interested in it and trying to get more answers and trying to figure out more, you know, you know, more of, you know, what could this be, you know, is, is Bigfoot real? Because, you know, you don't really, I guess, you know, it, it, until you have that that sighting and that, without a doubt, what in your mind you know what you're seeing, you're still exactly. questioning. You know, it could be anything. It, you know, this could be anything in the world. There's a lot of stuff. You know, you, if you're not in the woods all the time, you're not accustomed to all the sounds and what animals and you know, what, anything that it could be. Um, I went back out there once I gained some more knowledge about you know some of their some of their habits and some of the things that they they've done. And what I, I believe I've found, um, you know, I think I've found some, some evidence that, that, you know, there's, there's probably, uh, you know, there's probably some, some in that area. Uh, how many, I, I don't really know. Um, but I, you know, I, I've seen all the classic signs and if either, either I'm buying into it or it's, you know, or I've, or I know what I've seen, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, I've seen the, the, the tree breaks and some, 
you know, some crudely uh, constructed structures out there in areas where, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that humans don't go because I was there. You know, I, sure. I found my way out there. So there's, there's always that, the potential oh, for a hoax. There's always a potential. Sure. But I think when you're talking and, about structures, like what you're, you're indicating right now, I think there's enough, there's enough, uh, photographic evidence and uh, I shouldn't, I'm not going to say evidence, but there's enough photographs available online. Um, that when you look at structures and whether it be something small and low to the ground, like a, a hutch or, a, um, a supposed den as, uh, and then you get to these things that look, uh, a lot more like, you know, the internal structures of a TP. Um, when you see these things there, I have red flags that pop up on certain pictures and on those pictures, the ones to me that look like they are organic. And when I say organic, there's a, there's a flow to the placement of the limbs. There is a, the, the curve of the limbs all seem to go in the same direction. The, the length shorter to longer all seem to be in the right places. And near, near some point near the top, they all kind of start to intertwine. Uh, not necessarily like right. woven, but, but there's a, there's an overlapping that seems extraordinarily intentional versus right. just your average person going out, trying to hoax this and, you know, Hey, there's three or four of us out here. Let's go grab all the branches we can get. And then we're just all going to line them up around this and make a teepee. Those to me stand out like a sore thumb. Now, maybe yeah. I've been looking into the subject matter for too long. Maybe I'm nuts. I don't know, but the ones that strike my attention as being legitimate all have an organic feel to them and they look like they are, you know, I, I, I guess a couple of shows ago, James lady, um, some of his photographs, extremely, yeah. uh, extremely organic looking, not like they're just placed in order to make it look like something it there there's a, a, a i don't even know the right words to describe it but there's a structural integrity to you know just even the slight bending of of certain sticks they, they all seem to have the same swoop going the same way and those to me are the ones that are fascinated those are the ones to me that that cause me to pause and say what what are we looking at here yeah it, it's almost like a weaving it's kind of what I've, I've thought is, you know, it kind of reminds me of like somebody weaving a basket, but using that same similar concept and making, you know, a structure large enough for somebody to, you know, to climb into, mm -hmm. um, you know, without a doubt. Um, and, and, you know, and I've seen, I've seen some stuff that, you know, just walking around out in the woods, that I'm just not sure about, you know, it's a, to me, it's like, okay, is this something that, you know, just kind of fell here naturally. And I don't, I don't always mean just like a structure either. I just mean like, you know, just kind of like, um, placement of fallen trees or dead trees and, and, and that kind of stuff. It's just, I mean, you know, there's, there's no way to explain it without witnessing how it happened, but, are you talking I, about how I, there there's certain like almost um, uh, 
um, almost a grid pattern on the on the floor yeah. of the forest where things are, are yeah. kind of laid at, laid at 90 degree angles to each other yes yes yeah that's unusual the, the, you would yeah. think that the chaos of just natural um, natural falling of trees and, and and the natural progression of you know something decomposing you you would have very few right angles you you would just it would be more chaos yeah um you know and not to not to you you had mentioned uh your episode with uh with uh mr lady there um Mm -hmm. i know he had he had mentioned that they were they were able to vocalize and and mimic the sound of a tree falling yeah that's what he said yeah so Right away, my you know my my ears perked up when when I was listening to that episode because I was I was hunting on a piece of private property, and it's not a huge piece of private property, but it's adjacent to a lot of other property. And there's a there's water source there. There's a stream that goes through there. There's a lot of cornfields in the area, and it's not even though this little plot that that I hunt on um, isn't a very big you know, it's, it's 20, about 20 acres of woods. Um, it's not huge. Uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of areas for game to come in from a lot of different directions and do a lot of different stuff. Um, and I've seen crazy stuff out there. I mean, I've seen, <laughs> seen everything but deer and that's what I'm hunting for. <laughs> you know, uh, um, but I saw one time on this piece of property, I saw this large, larger than a wolf looking black dog just kind of walk hundred yards from me. Really? I don't, I don't know. And I couldn't really not sound, you know, again, that, or I mean, I guess to sound kooky, uh, it, it didn't look like a, it didn't look like a normal dog to me. I, I, I don't, I'm not that one. I'm still processing, but getting back to the whole thing with the, with the tree falling, I know this property pretty well. And I've walked, you know, with the exception of right in the middle of the little swamp area, that's right smack dab in the middle of it. I've walked every every square foot of this property multiple times. I know it well. Keep a very close eye on it to make sure that people aren't trespassing on it to the other people hunting. Um, you know, and as, as a matter of fact, you know, I've, I caught other people there in tree blinds just blatantly trespassing. Um, or not tree blinds, but tree stands. Um, so I, I know it pretty well. I'm sitting there one morning. It was a, I remember it very well. It was a Sunday morning, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I start hearing this very slow, very methodical sounding, like like a tree's breaking in half and falling on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I could hear the tree, the crack, and then it sounded like the tree or the top half of a, of a tree falling through the other trees to the ground. Now I I thought that I heard in my mind, I thought that I heard it. I didn't feel any, any, you know, uh, any impact on the ground or anything like that, but I, I thought I heard it, you know? So the end of the day I was getting ready to, to, um, to pack up and go in for the day from hunting. I thought, man, I'm, you know, it sounded like it was just right over here. I'm going to, I want to see that tree. That was crazy to hear that tree falling like that. You yeah. know, just, it's kind of the whole, if, if, you know, if tree falls in the woods, you know, and there's nobody here there to hear it doesn't make a sound. Well, 
I walked, I ended up doing like grid almost patterns back and forth through that property for two hours looking for that tree. And I never saw a tree anywhere. Now, this, like I say, this property is, does have other wooded properties adjacent to it, but it's surrounded on three sides. Well, the front side is faces road, so there's no there's no wood at the end of the property. There's just a section of, of property that's just bare that goes up to the road, and then the other two sides are cornfield. So it's not like I was sitting there and there was, you know, 100 yards or 200 yards off on the property to the right, the tree fell. It was somewhere in this property I was on. It was the weirdest thing. And it never occurred to me what it was other than I just thought, man, maybe it was just a small, I'm looking for a tree and maybe it was just a branch until I heard him say that. And I thought, wow, that that's an interesting piece of information right there. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 he did have some interesting theories and um, I'm, I'm going to add, add one to that, which is something that I've, I've been considering now for, uh, Oh, not, not a long time, maybe for the past year, um, you know, because when you start getting into uh, descriptions of uh, experiences that um, enc- encounters that produce some of the woo that, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about the, the weirder, uh, the weirder things, you know, like anything could be yeah. weirder than seeing a, an eight foot tall, hairy, upright walking right. beast in the woods. But you know there there's a lot of uh, a lot of people, in, including uh, Ron Moorhead, um, that feel that these creatures have a, a little bit uh, a little bit better control over the um, the energy that uh, that they produce as a being. And you know there's there's a possibility that you know a lot of times in the woods when we hear these um, limbs snapping or twigs breaking and you know, it, it sounds like that, but it, if you've ever heard uh, high voltage energy making an arc, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a somewhat of a similar sound to the yeah. cracking and breaking of branches. Yeah, now, there is some difference, uh, obviously, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if some of what people experience as far as what they're hearing. If, if that's something to do with the energy that's associated with these beings, I don't right. know. I'm not saying that it is. It's just, it's another, it's another, uh, another pathway down the rabbit hole of, of things to think about. Sure. There's so much to it that, you know, you, you almost have to start to compartmentalize, you know, and that, and that's what I do. I, you know, when I listen or I read or I uh, listen to other people's experiences or interview people who've had experiences, I start to uh, create these file folders in my head of of spe- specific things that tend to um, tend to pop up in in multiple stories. You know, and I'll stick this over in this folder, and I'll stick that over in this folder, and you know, after a while, you start to get, um, you start to see that a lot of these things are, are extremely common and, and very, very repeated in, in multiple encounters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and that's the whole thing is that, like you said, it's just, it's just 
this whole phenomenon is so multi-layered and you know it's it's the thing that is is kind of exciting to me about it but also it's it's a bit frustrating is that we don't have that definitive answer and you know i don't know if, if we're you know hopefully someday we will you know hopefully someday we'll have an answer to you know is it is it a, a you know are these a a human being that has evolved you know, differently than what, than what we have. Are they a relic hominin? Like a lot of people think, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there and I, and I don't, I, I don't agree with this theory is, you know, um, you know, they, people believe that, you know, the only way that, that you're ever going to get the, the real answers is that, you know, you have to kill one. Um, yeah. and you know, I don't know that killing one isn't going to be, you know, uh, attend to murder, you know, I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on, on that aspect of it. Um, and I, and I think these groups that, you know, these conservancy groups that feel that one has to be put on a slab, um, yeah. you know, for the most part, I'm going to, I'm going to give them, I'm going to cut them some slack and, and, and give them a little bit of grace because I think the reason they're approaching it from that standpoint is that science for as long as we've had science with biology, um, there's had to be a, there's had to be a corpse. There's had to be a, a, a specimen that's right. studied and, and dissected and, and all that stuff. Um, so I get, I get the theory behind it. I get it, but I, I tend to, the more and more that I get into this and the more that I read, I'm really, you know, the, the people that stand behind this being an ape or a, uh, uh, you know, just an animal, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in disagreement with that. I think these are an intelligent being, and I think they're closer related to being a people than anything. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting more and more because before I always just thought it was, you know, originally my theory was that it must be, you know, like everybody else, a relic hominid, maybe a, maybe a descendant of a gigantopithecus, um, you know, uh, but I do a little bit of, you know, amateur, I guess I say amateur, uh, but I guess everybody is really an amateur. There's no, there's no one that's really a professional, uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot researcher, I guess, unless they have, you know, some sort of corporate backing and, and they're making money off it. But nobody's an expert. You can't, you know, you can't really be an expert. But mm-hmm. with with my research, one of the things that that turned turned my mind a little bit um, is I so kind of through through some networking and through some you know friend, you know some friends and people that I've met. Um, I, I became aware of this gentleman, um, and I'm, I'm not, I won't use his name or his location other than he grew up in rural Ohio, um, where there seems to be a, a pretty fair amount of sightings on a regular basis there. Um, but this wasn't near, you know, any of the, any of the regular areas. It wasn't, it was more, uh, kind of Northwestern kind of 
figure he he grew up probably about a hundred miles or so east, due east of um, Fort Wayne, in that area. It was pretty rural, and he grew up on a farm. And he he had um, he had a brother that was um, or still still has a you know, brother, but he and his brother were were born a year apart, and um, his basically his. Um, and I've talked to this gentleman firsthand. His, so the way he, he re, um, relayed the story to me was is they, they lived, they lived on a, on a fairly good sized farm and they had a nice farmyard and, you know, nice area for, you know, kids to, when they were kids to play and, and, you know, do everything that they could ever dream of doing as, as, you know, kids growing up the farm on a farm back in the sixties or seventies. Uh, no, it was seventies. Sorry. I had to double check here. So this guy's probably about our age or so. I have not met him in person. I have spoken to him a couple of times on the phone, but he had an, enco- an encounter when he was um, about nine years old. He and his brother were playing right alongside this cornfield, kind of on the edge of the corn, edge of the cornfield, edge of their house. And he said that all of a sudden there was like a dead calm, just everything, almost like the wind stopped. It, there was just, he, he, the way he describes it now is he said it was almost like he was in a vacuum. It, it was just so, it was such a weird, all of a sudden, just nothing. Um, and then the next thing he knew, he was actually physically picked up and was carried off into the corn by this large, hairy man. And what he said was that he didn't, the way that the, this creature was carrying him, he couldn't see the creature's face because the creature kind of picked him up and threw him on, like under his arm. So his head was to the creature's back and his legs were to the front. Um, Good Lord. And yeah, and he said that it was very much like a very large, thick, but muscular like man. And he couldn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't really have a recollection of height because he was a kid, and he, and he knew that it was tall. But you know, and, and he said it, it stood about as tall as the corn. And it was in the middle of the summer, late July, early August. So corn's going to be almost full growth there. So I'm I'm guessing six and a half to seven feet tall, right? All right. And he said that it, that it went. His estimate was about fifty feet. He said he couldn't. You know he. He didn't know for sure, but he knew that when when the creature stopped, the creature was stopped by what he said was a very obvious female um, of the same type of structure and look. But the, the thing that thing that sends chills, even talking to you about this, still down like my spine, is that he said. Other than the colorization and having a little bit more hair, the faces looked like humans. They looked like people, but maybe just a little bit larger, more spread out. But the faces, he said, were very human-looking. And he said that the female... Had the male put him down? Because you, you indicated that the, he was... You'd indicated yeah, that he was facing the, the, the backside of the, the male as yeah. he was being carried. Yeah, so at this point, when, when the male was had stopped, the male had almost immediately put him on the ground and, and, and he said he was sitting kind of, um, you know, 
I don't mean to offend anybody, but uh, you know the old expression we used they used to say to us in school, sit Indian style. So you mm-hmm. your legs crossed. Right. He said the thing just kind of it didn't like delicately just kind of like like you or I would with a child to set him on the ground. The thing just kind of like released it from his arm and the way he landed. He said he landed on his butt and his legs ended up kind of crossed Indian style and he's looking up and there's this. He said it was an obvious female because of because of anatomy that he could mm-hmm. see. I'm assuming that, you know, when he said, you know, and I, I, that he means breast. Um, and the female yelled, you know, and, and he said it sounded, you know, the best that he could remember. It sounded like it was, you know, like, you know, you would think now it was some sort of gibberish language. And since, since then, he's actually kind of listened to some of like, you know, Ron Moorhead, Sierra sound stuff and some other stuff. And he said that it's, you know, that kind of like the, the classic one where there's an argument between the male mm-hmm. and the female there. And you know, sure. it, he said, that's kind of what the female sounded like gestured, gestured towards him and then gestured back at the male. And both of them just never looked at, at him again, turned and boom, just disappeared to the, to the uh, corn. And then he stood up of course. And then, booked it right back into the, into the, uh, to the yard where his brother was standing kind of at the edge and his brothers, you know, later on talking about it, uh, his brother said he could hear like that screaming, but he, he couldn't see into the corn. The, the corn was too thick that he couldn't see. And of course he was too terrified. You know, the, the, the impression that I got from the way this gentleman described, you know, his brother and himself, of course, during this whole episode was that, you know, they were, they're scared. They didn't know whether shit or go blind. <laughs> you know, you got a, a nine and a 10 year old kid that experienced this. And, uh, you know, that, that, so this, this whole thing, um, with, with him telling me about it, um, and the way he described the faces and the way he described the interaction between the male and the female. And again, he said that where he was sitting when he, when, when the male dropped him, the way that, um, that he could tell was from, you know, from their anatomy, he could see, he could see the male was obviously a male and obviously he's not wearing, you know, he's not gonna be wearing any, any trousers or anything like that. So, you know, it, it was obvious to him and a nine year old kid knows well enough the, the difference between the anatomy of a male and a female. Sure. Um, and the weird part about all this was that most of his, he, he always had vague memories of it. And, and in the 40 years since it's happened, he and his brother have never spoke about it. His brother absolutely refuses to, if, if he even hints around to his brother about, Hey, you remember that day? And, and his brother, you know, was only witness to it. Um, but a lot so of the this, brother, the, the brother actually saw the, the, the bean pick up his brother, pick him up and carry him off. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's as far as his brother, you know, they, he said they talked about it a little bit, obviously that day and they debated about, you know, do we tell our parents, you know, what was that? What, you know, cause you know how a, a nine year old kid's mind works. You're going back and you're going to make up this, this fantastic story to your parents. Your parents are going to wonder what the heck you did, what you did that you shouldn't have and, <laughs> or something. And then, then like, commence to be your know? ass. Yeah. Right. Right. So he said, you know, for, for years and years and years, he never told his parents about it. 
And, um, you know, and then one, one time, you know, when as an adult, he, he talked to his mother about it and she, he said that, um, that not necessarily that she had ever confirmed any sightings or anything, but she said that there was some, there was some strangeness that went on out there on the farm, but you know, everybody had strangeness going on on their farm. You know, you would, you would wake up in the morning and maybe your, your chicken coop would be open and some of your hens are gone and, uh, you know, just other odd things, you know, you, I mean, I know I, I, uh, I had an aunt and uncle that, that I, they, they had a small farm and I spent a lot of time on that as a kid. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, abnormal to step out on the porch in the morning and, you know, the cat would have a muskrat or something laying there for you, you know? So, right. yeah. uh, you know, so that was that whole occurrence, uh, and, and, and talking and, and I'm, I'm still in, in communication with this guy. And, and I know you and I had talked about the, the effects that, it, that some of these, uh, encounters and sightings have on people. Um, and the, you know, the, the actual PTSD that, that people suffer from it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people take it all that serious that, you know, that, uh, an encounter like that, especially, you know, that, that's, uh, that, uh, a physical encounter where, where one of them has actually touched you or picked you up, yeah. carried you or something like that. I, you know, that's, a, that's, and especially a child, that's every, every child at night year. And then, you know, it's only, it can only be conjecture of what that, what he was, what that male had, had the, I think that, that maybe that male was a, a, a an adolescent of some sort. Um, maybe a, a teenager and he was, you know, trying to, try to humanize the whole thing. I'm thinking, you know, teenager messing around. He wanted to grab this kid, run off with the kid, scaring, maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, he had some sort of, of, uh, harm in mind for him. Maybe he doesn't know what it, it I, I'm not going to say that. I, I started to say maybe, maybe the creature or the, you know, the, the person that, that picked up the, the human child and ran off with it. I, I think he probably knew quite well or was quite familiar with, with them. Um, I don't think it was just like, Oh, Hey, well, you know, what is this? I'm going to take this, carry this off back home and, and figure, you know, hide it in my room and figure out what it is or some, some such thing. I, I think that they, they're, they're intelligent enough. Well, there's any number of things. I mean, if they'd been sitting there and within the wood line and watching them play, uh, as, right. as children do, you know, was he, was, was the creature struck with the idea that, you know, they looked like they were having fun and he wanted a playmate of his right. own. Maybe he was the only, yep. yeah. maybe he was the only, uh, youth in, in the, uh, in the tribe or the clan that was in that area. Um, possibly something more nefarious than that. Was he thinking that he was bringing back food to, uh, to the, to the clan? I'm interested. Did you, did you get any, 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 excuse me, any indication from him? Was he, was he terrified? Was there a, a strange calmness? Um, did, did he ever really go into what he was experiencing at that moment? Um, no, he, he, he wasn't really actually able to describe that in any way. Um, and to be honest with you, I, you know, I might not be, I, I might not have the best 
interview skills. So, you know, a lot of times I don't always, you know, think of to ask as broad spectrum as questions as I probably should. Um, but I know that, you know, he is at a point in his life now through talking to him and talking with his wife a little bit is that he's really trying to work through this. I mean, it's, it's had a lifetime effect on him. There's no doubt about it. And, um, and you know, he's, so he's been, he's actually, um, he's actually gone. Um, he's going through some, some, uh, uh, therapy and he's also actually has gone through, um, a, uh, episode of, of hypnosis. Um, so I think that, I don't know how much he, he'll open up to me about, what they found out in that, but I know that, you know, they were going to try to, um, that, you know, one of his goals was to try to recall, you know, to pull back more of those mm -hmm. memories and maybe clarify it a little bit more. That, so, would, be that um, would be incredibly interesting to hear the outcome of the hypnosis and even, yeah, even, I, it, even his, even his speaking with a, a therapist, I know in no way, shape or form do I want to impose on anybody's uh, privacy, but, um, just, to, I, I'd be curious as to the, uh, the, the person, the, the doctor, the therapist, um, to the demeanor of that person when hearing that story, whether it's going to be, you know, are they going to immediately hop to trying to, um, change his mind into thinking that it was something that, that it wasn't or. Right. If they would actually be open-minded enough to, to listen to him and take what he's saying at face value. Yeah. And, and I hope for his sake, um, that, that, that is the case that they're open-minded and that, you know, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the investigative research part of me wants to know more, you know, is, are you going to dig up more information? Are you going to have more details? Um, yeah, absolutely. but the, you know, the, the compassionate, you know, human side of me just wants to make sure that the guy gets what he needs out of it, you know, to help him move on with it. I mean, cause he's, you know, he's in his late fifties, so he's, you know, he still has plenty of life. And the fact that, you know, he's kind of like pushed this down, it, it took, it took me a year. Um, it took me a year before he actually, actually kind of started to open up and give me more details. Um, mm -hmm. and then he initially, he did it through email and it was, it was kind of vague. And then, uh, you know, after, after, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable with him, he, he coincidentally is a, is a, is a friend, um, is a friend of a friend. So it's not a, it's not a, just a random out there type person. Um, the parallels but, to that, the oh, parallels to that relationship that you have with that gentleman, and the one that I have with, uh, John from, uh, episodes two and three of my show are, are pretty staggering because, um, John is his experience, uh, probably eight years ago now, uh, when he, when yeah. he saw, when he saw the figure walking through the swamp, uh, with his, with his father, his brother-in-law and his, uh, the family friend, um, he's still trying to piece together a uh, an explanation he's still trying to get answers to all the questions in his head and uh, yep. w when shannon reached out from uh into the fray in that episode she sp 
specifically said to John that he should go back and listen to the episode prior to the one we were on, which was the week before, because she yeah. said that, uh, she, for, for whatever reason, she felt he should listen to that one because of the description of, of, I believe the guy's name was Carrie, uh, to his, Carrie something or another. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I encouraged him. I said, you know, these, these stories, these, um, these episodes on, on other podcasts, uh, like into the fray and, uh, Sasquatch Chronicles. And, uh, I said, you know, they might, they might be good for you. I mean, one, just hearing that other people are having the same experience that you had, mm-hmm. but you may also pull out data points from, from what you witnessed that will, you know, kind of put things into place for you. And, uh, <clears throat> it was about, it was about two two weeks, maybe three weeks after we had appeared on into the fray. And he, uh, he, he called me, uh, while I was at work and it was just about lunchtime. And, uh, he's like, Hey man, uh, you, you got a few minutes we could talk. And I said, you know what? I'm, I was just getting hungry. I said, let me, uh, let me call you back in two minutes. I'm going to go get in my car, run out and get lunch. And I said, I'll call you while I'm out in the car. And uh, I called him back. And, uh, he was, he was really, you know, how you can hear somebody when they're shook in their voice, you know, it was, oh yeah. uh, and I'm like, man, are you all right? What's going on? And, uh, he said that he had been trying to get through listening to that episode and he had listened to like 20 or 30 minutes of it at a time. And then he would have to stop and, uh, He's like, man, this thing is, is really got me messed up. And I'm like, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, I said, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like the, the fact that I pursued you to try to get you to talk about this, you know, one, I mean, was partially a selfish thing because it was an incredible story and I, I thought it was, it needed to be told and I thought it'd be a great episode sure. for, for my show. Um, but on sure. the other side of it, n- having known him, uh, from from previous employment and uh, knew, knowing of him, I thought possibly it would it would do him some good to because he had all, he had indicated our conversation started out in email and it was a little bit here and a little bit there and then it was a phone call and I got a little bit of information and the next phone call was a little bit more and as he grew to trust me, more and more information started coming out and and it took. You know, I think probably in upwards of probably three, three and a half months from our first conversation to the time that I actually got him nailed down to do the interview. He had agreed to it multiple yeah. times. And then when it came down to it, it was like, eh, you know, and I didn't want to push him because I didn't want to put him into uh, something that he was going to be uncomfortable with. But even though my show is uncomfortable. But then when he was ready to talk, he was ready to talk. And it, 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 there was like a decisive, a decisiveness in his voice when he told me, he's like, you know what? No, let's do this. I'm ready. And he said, do you mind if my daughters tell their part of it as well? And I was like, no, uh, absolutely. However, however they want to do it. Um, but during the phone call, he, he was, he was in some distress. 
and yeah. and I didn't know what to do for him other than other than talk to him. And he told me that he had listened to some of it uh, on two occasions the night before while he was at home, and then he was trying to listen to it during a break while he was at work, and he he literally said that the the emotional aspects of it really started to come in and hit him hard. Yeah. And he had, he had realized that he had never, he had never really dealt with the emotions of the experience for himself. He was, yeah. you know, he was worried about making sure that his daughters were okay. He was worried about making sure that, you know, nothing was messing with the house and that his family and his wife and everything were, were taken care of he was kind of stagnant in the fact that he didn't have anybody to talk to because anytime he ever brought it up or tried to talk to somebody, they roll their eyes and, you know, make, yeah. make all the jokes like, you know, like we've all experienced. Um, yep. but that, that was the point where I was like really hit with the, the indication that these people do in fact have a PTSD reaction to these encounters. No, absolutely. And, you know, if if it's not if they don't have an outlet for it, if they don't have a way of dealing with it, then they've got nothing. You know, what do you yep. do with it? And, and I mean, it's just it's very striking the the similarities between what you're saying and what I experienced with interviewing him. Well, and I think too, for some people, once they, you know, like this particular <laughs> gentleman, he was perfectly comfortable. After so, after about five years of a relationship, and then into their marriage with his wife, then telling her about it. But I mean, they had they were in an intimate, you know, loving relationship for five years before he would even talk to her about it. So of course he's going to be apprehensive to talk to somebody else. But as his life goes on, and he you know he he's kind of relaxing a little bit, you know, like. Like he told, he kind of said the same thing, similar to what you said earlier when we were talking about it. Who cares what somebody thinks? I don't care if people think I'm lying. I don't care if people think I'm a, if people think I'm crazy. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not. You know, uh, most people. You know, these are his words and him saying. You know, most people that know me don't know this story, but most people that know me know that I'm a. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not a delusional. I'm not a crazy person, and. uh I think it just, it, it gets to a point where when they find somebody that is, uh, you know, a little bit more than casually, um, interested and involved in the subject and they, they realize that that person has some, some ex, uh, experience. I don't want to, you know, they're know, hoping that you that. have, they're hoping that you have pieces to the puzzle. Right. Because right. that's exactly and, and what know, John was hoping I had. Yeah. And they, and they know that you're not. I guess I'd like to think at the very least that people talk to me and tell me about their experiences and stuff. I, I, I hope at the very least that they, they know that I'm, that I'm not going to make fun of them about it, that I, that I'm going to, some of the stories that I've heard, you know, like that story was like, Holy crap, man, that, you know, this is a, I've heard yeah. some stories over the years about people getting picked up, carried off by, the, by these things, but I've never heard one firsthand from the, from the person that it actually happened to, you know? So, right. I mean, I was kind of having like, like the, the holy shit moment 
there mm-hmm. myself going, wow, you know, this is, this is unbelievable. Not to the, the standpoint that I don't believe the story you're telling me, just to the standpoint that this is just, you know, this is just, this is unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that, I just, I, I just, I think that people, you know, it's therapeutic for them once they get in that comfort zone with someone, they know that they're not going to be ridiculed. They know they're not going to be made fun of. They know that this person is going to take their story seriously and maybe be able to even say, well, you know, you know what? I know someone else that this has happened to and here's their story. And then, you know, maybe then that, you know, that helps them. I'm, I'm by no means am I a therapist or, or any kind of, uh, you know, uh, medical or, or, uh, you know, or mental professional whatsoever. I don't, I don't try to do that with people. All I, all I want to do is, is talk to people, hear their stories, tell them some of mine, tell them some things that I've heard. And, you know, if it's an opportunity to actually get out there and get in the woods and, and try to do, you know, some investigating and maybe find some evidence, um, then, you know, honestly, that part of it for me is a lot of fun. Um, I like getting, you know, I like being out tromping around and, and, uh, you know, seeing what I can see. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be a, not trying to be a, a rock star Bigfoot hunter or anything like that, but it's just, you know, it's, it's frustrating as this whole phenomenon is, uh, it's also, I have a lot of fun and the more that I do it and the more that I reach out and to people and the more people I meet like yourself and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, you meet a lot of good people. You meet, you know, it's nice. It's nice to, for anyone to, to, to know that there's, there's like-minded people out there. And like you said earlier, that there's people that, you know, there's other people that have experienced the same thing that you experienced maybe to a different degree, but you know, yeah, I definitely think that it, 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 um, it provides a level of comfort right? for, for discussing something that is, I hate to keep using the word, but uncomfortable. Now, Travis, have you ever had an actual sighting of your own? I have. Um, I had uh, in northern Michigan. I, well, I've, I've actually had two. Um, one that I know for sure what I saw, and that was in northern Michigan. I was riding a dirt bike, and um, can, I was. Can you, give, can you give a specific area? Um, yeah, sure. It's, it, I was riding, um, a section of exact, but you know, just like, uh, a town or something. So the listeners can get an idea of uh, what part of Michigan. The the trail that, um, the town that I was, would, would have been closest. The closest town to the trail that I was riding was, um, Luther. Luther, Michigan. Yep. I know Luther, Michigan. I was on a snowmobile and I ran out of, uh, I ran out of that. We were coming out of Cadillac, Michigan, and we wound up in Luther, and we ran out of yeah. snow, and and the tracks on my uh, snowmobile broke in Luther. Yeah. That was yep. a strange, so, strange little town. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of strange little towns up there. Um, so I was riding a dirt bike, and I was alone, which is always a really good idea. Um, <laughs> I'm being. <laughs> 
<laughs> sarcastic there, but um, and I was venturing off the trail onto some of these very overgrown uh, fire roads is the best way I can describe. Maybe old logging roads, maybe maybe fire roads, and I was probably two to three miles back off the main of main road. A dirt road, and, and I couldn't even tell you for sure what the, that road was, but and something had decided to come out of the tall grass and decided to eject me from my motorcycle. Um, so when I never saw it come out of the grass alongside the trail, but when I uh, stood up because I went. I don't know, to this day, what it felt like to me was like um, somebody stuck a branch or a broomstick in my front wheel, and I went head over heels over the handlebars. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and hit the ground quite well. And uh, thought, wow, what the heck did I hit there? And uh, once I shut the cobwebs out and stood back up, standing probably 150 feet off just on the, where the edge of the woods start again was a, oh, I'm going to say it was probably about six foot to six and a half foot tall. Creature covered, you know, in, in hair. And uh, your, you know, your typical, typical, you know, description of what Bigfoot would be. Um, what were the what were the lighting conditions? What time what time of day was this? Uh, it was in the middle of the day. It was a really bright, you know, sunshine. Really, really bright day with a lot of with with the um, with the canopy and stuff. There were, um, and this is going to almost sound cliche, but there was quite a bit of shadowing coming down. So where the creature was standing, um, I couldn't. I could see its form. And I could see it's, it's, you know, from its waist up very well, its shape and, you know, um, and, you know, the shoulders and, and, you know, that whole wide, you know, very wide shoulders, very, very long arms. Where it was standing, I couldn't see its hands, but I could see its arms at its side. And um, I couldn't at all make out any... Uh, any of the face whatsoever uh, to this so day. In I, the shadows. I yeah. And I, I can't tell you, I'm only assuming that, um, I'm only assuming that it was looking directly at me, but I, I can't, it wasn't like it was a direct eye contact that we were staring mm-hmm. at each other. Um, at, you know, at all. Um, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't make out any definition definition of its face to, to say whether it was more, you know, because everybody, I know like Shannon always asked people, was it more ape looking or was it more human looking? Um, I, I can't say. All I can say is that it was, it was dark, probably a, a, a dark reddish brown. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I know it wasn't a bear. I've seen bears. I've had bears up there across, across in front of me. I was, I was, you know, riding one time and all of a sudden there's, there's this bear and then a dog chasing the bear 
and I come up to a, a tee in the trail, and there's a guy staying in there, and I said, man, <laughs> I just saw a bear. He's like, yeah, I know my dog. I got my dog out here running it. I'm like, whoa, geez. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. But it definitely wasn't a bear. You know, I mean, this thing was, was, you know, very, uh, very much the description of, of most descriptions that you hear though. The only thing that I, that I can say definitively was that I don't believe I'm six foot three. And I don't believe that it was much taller than I was or than I am, I should say. So, you know, the, I, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, if, if that can be attributed to the fact that it was, uh, adolescent or if it was, uh, female or, or what it was. But I do know that, um, once the, you know, once the, shock and you know holy crap they are real wore off um it only stood there for you know maybe 15 seconds or so before it took off into the woods and then i uh took my my helmet off my goggles off and uh cautiously walked through the grass to as close to the spot as i could where I thought it was standing, you know, close to the, it was kind of standing in, in between two, uh, two hardwood trees. I believe they were oak trees. Um, cause you got a lot of mixture of hardwood and pine up there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was, the, the ground was quite solid there. And I, I saw what I, you know, what I assumed to be, uh, foot impressions, but there wasn't a, a definite, or a, or a, um, defined footprint impression at all anywhere that I could see. Um, but there was, it definitely looked like, you know, something, you know, with two legs and two feet had, had walked through there. It just was more kind of, I guess the way I, I, I hate to, I hate to reference this, but there was the, uh, there was a documentary a while back. You and I spoke of the, the guy that shot the documentary. I don't know if you want me to say his name or not, but it doesn't he kept matter. pointing out. He said, huh? It doesn't matter. You can. Oh, well, it, it, Todd Standings discovering Bigfoot kept pointing out like these impressions and moss that were just kind of like a, they weren't really a, maybe in person they looked more like a shape of a foot, but it just looked like, just like a, you know, just kind of like a, a blunt impression. Right. Um, that's kind of what I saw, but it was, it was more, it, it, you know, this was a, a kind of a, it, it wasn't a real, it wasn't a mossy area. There was a lot of, there's a lot of old leaf litter and, and, you know, twigs. So there was nothing right. really getting down into the, the strata of the, of the ground. It was, no. you know, you, you, you were noticing a compression of some, but, but there was nothing definitive. Right. Right. Like, you know, like somebody had just walked through the leaves in your yard is kind of the impression that I got from it. All right. Um, so let me, let me run this back real quick. So you're, you're riding, you're riding your dirt bike. Yep. And, and something happens where you're, you're ejected from your bike. Yes. Did you, did you visually see anything happen that? No. Force you off the bike? Nope. No, I didn't. And, and that was the whole thing that was really kind of strange to me. Now, 
you know, riding dirt bikes, I've had occurrences where all of a sudden I'm on the ground and, and say to myself, what the heck just happened there? You know, but this was, my first impression was, is that there was a hole in the ground that I couldn't see because of, you know, these, these trails, these roads were fairly overgrown grass and, and stuff, you know, um, you could still see the trail fairly well, but you know, it's kind of like an old, you know, the center of it is all grown up and there's a lot of tall grass that kind of leans in. So the whole time that I'm riding down this trail, the overgrowth on my, I was on the right hand side of the trail in the, the, um, overgrowth on the right hand side, but the entire time is brushing off of like my right hand handlebar and shoulder. So it's pretty overgrown. Mm-hmm. So my first impression was that I had hit a, you know, a hole in the ground, like a pothole. And it was deep enough that my front tire went in it enough that it stopped me on the bike and put me over the handlebars. Well, once I got back after I kind of, you know, I stood there for a little, once I jumped up, I stood there for a minute, looked around. I saw, I saw, I had, you know, my visual sighting of what I believe to be a Bigfoot, and kind of waited a little bit ran over to the, to the site where, where it was standing on the edge of the wood line. And then when I went back, it was at that time that I noticed there, well, there was not a pothole right there. I walked up and down six feet one way, six feet the other. And I didn't see anything. And then I, you know, and then I just thought to myself, and it, it's almost like, you know, did that thing run out and hit me and knock me off it? But if it would have been, how would I, why, why did I go over the handlebars? Why, you know, why wouldn't I just have, you know, just if you like would have broadsided me and, and pushed me off, why wouldn't I have shoved off the side to the side? Why, why did I end up over the handlebars? And then I started wondering, well, you know, did that thing stick of, you know, did, did he have like a, a, a branch or something that he, that he stuck in my front wheel because I don't know if you've ever had anybody do that to you like any bicycle or anything like that. I know when we were kids, we'd do that to each other, and it stops you right now and throws yeah, you over the handlebar. Exactly. <laughs> I've got, yeah, I've got a pretty, pretty good-sized scar on my chin from my next-door neighbor growing up doing that to me with a with an old mop handle or a broom sure. handle. One day he thought it was funny. I'm ripping by him on my BMX bike when I was about 10, and he stuck that thing in there and ejected me quick, so... And then your tires aren't worth shit because you, your your spokes are all pulled out, right? Yeah. So, so you so, hit the ground. You hit the ground. You you pop back up. You're trying to get your senses back to you. You look around and yep. you see this. You see this six and a half to seven foot looking uh, silhouette for the most part. Um, yep. You're how old are you? I was. I remember very very well. I was 21 years old. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so you're you're a you're an adult young man. You you're you're not prone to uh, fantastical stories. Your your imagination isn't running away with you. And no. what's what's going through your mind? I mean, are you, I mean, are you pissing yourself at this point? 
Um, or, yeah, or are you more was, in, a, in amazement that you know you're you're not really able to grapple with or wrap your head around with what's going on, or were you at that point as a 21 year old? Were you aware that you were looking at what you thought was a Bigfoot? I was aware. I was aware then that what I what I was looking at was I, I was thoroughly convinced in my mind, 100 percent, that it was Bigfoot. No doubt about it. Um. And I, I even remember later, once I, um, you know, once I turned around and headed back towards the main trail system mm-hmm. and decided to ride back home, because um, back in those days, up until mid-2000s or so, my parents had a place up not too far from, from that area. It was, it was not, it was closer to Irons, but, you know, I could, the, the trail system is so vast up there, I could get. I can get there from from my from my folks' place. I can ride. There's trails I can ride all the way down to, to uh, well, New England back. Um, and I even remember the 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 thing that stuck out vividly in my mind then and sticks out vividly in my mind to this day is that it wasn't as tall wasn't as tall as I, I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, I, I'm guessing. You know, I'm guessing that it was, it was, if I would have been standing next to it, I, I'm guessing it would have been two to three inches taller than taller than me. Six and a half feet is probably the height of it. Um, so that, that's kind of why I, I wasn't sure if it was an adolescent or if it was, you know, if maybe, because I, so a funny thing about being taller than, than average I always, I don't know why, I, I like size people up a lot and I see somebody and go, oh, man, that guy's taller than me as he's, you know, like walking down the mall and they're sure. coming towards me. I think, oh, man, that guy's tall. And then when he gets up to me, he's actually as tall or maybe not even as tall as I am. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so I've always wondered and had a theory as if that maybe these, these things that people are seeing aren't as tall as what they actually are. Um, because they are such a, I think two reasons is that they, they are such a large, much larger than a human being physically, you know, their physical structuring is much larger than a normal human being. Um, That's, that's an interesting take. I've not, I've not thought of that before. Um, that, and I think that part of it is, is it's ingrained in everyone's psyche that Bigfoot Sasquatches seven and a half, eight, you know, eight feet tall. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen and heard some, some reports that they're even, you know, some of them have been 13 to 15 feet tall, but, um, I, you know, I can't, I can't verify or deny any of that because it's, you know, I can only, I can only say what, uh, you know, what I saw. And I just, I was just kind of going by, you know, my judgment at the time. And then when, you know, I walked up to the trees where it was standing, some of the branches that it was standing under in relative height from the top of my head to the branch and what my quick mind's eye glimpse an image of that, of that creature, the distance was, and they were closer to the branches than mine were, but it wasn't a whole lot, you know? So, and and how, how close were you to it? How many feet away were you? When, when I saw it, um, I'm going to say 
it, you know, it was 150 feet away. So not a, not a super, not a super long distance, but you know, not 15 feet either. Right. Um, and coincidentally I have gone, um, I have gone back into that area. Um, that area is kind of my, kind of my, my spot, um, now. And I've had, uh, I've had, um, rocks, pebbles thrown at me in the woods. Um, and I've also had a, also had a rather sizable stick branch, um, probably eight inches in diameter hit me in the back one day and I am, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm, you know, I'm six, three, I'm, you know, 275, 280 pounds. And then that thing hit me. It, it, uh, when you're not expecting something that large, even though it was only maybe four to five feet long, eight inches in diameter. But, uh, when that thing hit me, it, it, uh, it knocked me down and took the breath out of me. Huh? Yeah. I would imagine. And, uh, I got, needless to say that day, that, that was the only time that I really had an experience or I, I had a feeling that I should probably get the heck out of there. Um, I that had, was going to be, that was going to be my next question. If you've ever experienced that, that was, that's the only time. Um, I, you know, <laughs> maybe foolishly when I had pebbles raining down on me, um, one time I was standing there and I kind of went, went over to the, to the roadway, the old fire roadway. And, uh, cause you know, there's so much, there's so much growth and everything. It's not like when the pebbles hit you, unless you can somehow, you can somehow snag them out of the air. Once they hit the ground, you would be down on your hands and knees, scrounging around trying to find two of them, you know, if you, if you're right. lucky. So when that happened, I, I kind of jogged back over to the, to the fire road, kicked up some gravel and dirt, best I could, got a handful of the stuff, ran back to the location, chucked it back in the, into the woods, into the direction that I thought that it came from. Um, just cause I wanted to see what kind of reaction cause in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe this is a game to them, you know, but, uh, you know, maybe it's, a, this is a game I don't want to lose. Cause the next thing is going to be a, you know, a big rock. that's going to nail me right in my eye socket. Right. <laughs> next thing I, next thing I know, I'm, you know, I'm waking up 12 hours later in the, in the woods at night or something like that. But so did you actually you know, take, did you actually throw some back? I did. Yeah. It yep. was, was there I any, like, was there any, uh, any return? There was no return, but I did hear at that point in time. I then I did hear in the, and I, I couldn't see anything. Um, but I did hear, definitely heard something move off deeper into the woods. Um, and I wouldn't say that it was necessarily that it ran off. I would just say that whatever, whatever it was, um, I'm assuming it's, it's this, I, I think there's a family there. Um, and I think they've been there for a long time. And I, I, I think that it's, I think that it's, uh, it's the, um, you know, quite possibly the same, um, group that the, that the original, um, sighting that I had, that that individual is, is somehow part of that group because I just, I, it's just a theory I have. I mean, I, I have no proof that there's more than one 
uh, I, I guess I tangibly, tangibly, I, I don't really have any tangible proof that there's even one other than what I know that I've, that I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately I've never, I mean, it's frustrating and, and disappointing, but I've never been, never come across a good footprint, you know, um, I come across a lot of, you know, again, I've come across a lot of things that I, I, I feel like they, they're, it's possible. It's, it's a, it's a trackway from one of these. Um, but I, you know, I've just never, I've never had anything that I could like, you know, I could cast and it not look mm-hmm. like just a, a blob of, of, you know, paper mache and, uh, you know, um, unfortunately I've never, I haven't been lucky enough. Um, something else that I've always kind of, to me has always kind of been a contradiction. I thought a little bit is that, um, you know, like if you, uh, there's a gentleman that I, that I, that he kind of approaches it from like a mathematical standpoint. He did a comparison between, um, uh, limbs on a regular human and limbs on, you know, like, uh, uh, a gorilla or an orangutan mm-hmm. and limbs on, um, supposed, you know, sightings or, or images of, of Bigfoot. Right. And, um, it turns out that they're, you know, everything that he could find was that, um, they're like, their arms are 20% longer than their legs, which is almost the exact opposite of humans, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and so to me, something's arms are 20% longer than its legs. I, I guess I've never been able to wrap my head around the theory of the six foot stride. Because even if it's seven feet tall, that's something that's very, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I've struggled with as well. You know, if, if, even if something is seven feet, seven feet tall, if their arms are 20% longer than their legs, that means their legs are probably going to be an M and I'm not, I'm by no means am I, uh, and you know, am I, uh, uh, anthropologist or, or, uh, uh, you know, scientist in any way, shape or form. I'm just a, I'm just a regular guy just trying to, just trying to figure this out. But to me, it would, it would mean if the guy was seven foot tall and his legs were, were 20% or his arms were 20% longer than his legs, you know, that's going to put him somewhere, you know, at best, maybe a 36 to a 38 inch inseam. I'm guessing. And that's not a whole lot longer than what I have. And I don't have six feet stride, you know? So, I, I, I've never, I've never been able to wrap my head around, wrap my head around that. Yeah. It, it is, is giving me pause multiple times. Um, but like you said, you know, is uh, nobody's walking around with a, uh, a heads up display in their eyes when they're looking at something that's going to give them the actual height of, of what they're right. looking at. So, you know, I mean, everything yeah. is up to, you know, what, whatever you can relate. Yeah. Your perception of it. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, my son's, uh, my son's six, four, six, four and a half and, uh, I'm five, nine. <laughs> so tell me how yeah. that happened. I don't know, but <clears throat> well, my dad's five, eight and I'm, I'm six, three. So, you maybe know, so the, for, maybe the mailman, 
maybe the mailman were tall. <laughs> so for years when he played football in high school, um, you know, he, I, I never had to worry about concussions with him because he was a lineman and he was always, always, even through his senior year was always a full head taller than everybody that he played against. You know, so it wasn't yeah. anything that I ever really worried, you know, as far as being a running back or a linebacker or something like that. Um, and it wasn't until it wasn't until I took him to uh, uh, a lineman camp at the University of Notre Dame for a uh, for high school students that mm -hmm. he walked out onto the field with all the other linemen who were at that at that function. And I couldn't find him. Yeah. I was looking. I was looking out over the sea of, of of guys in uh, t-shirts and shorts and uh, football helmets. Yeah. And I couldn't find my kid. That's how I have always found my kid. Is no matter where he was at, I could always see his head sticking up above everybody else. And at that point, I was like, "Holy shit." That's a lot of guys out there that are six four, six five, six six. Yep. You know, and they all look giant to somebody who stands five nine. Yeah. You know, I couldn't imagine seeing somebody, you know, in person like uh, Andre the Giant or Shaquille O'Neal. I couldn't imagine standing next to one of those people in person. Yeah. And then and then you're talking many reports are are almost a full foot taller than those gentlemen. Right? Yeah. You know, so if proportionately if if we're talking about something that appears to have not much of a neck where the head sits mostly on the shoulders forward forward on the shoulders and mm -hmm. then you have a longer torso with longer arms but your your legs are shorter even though it's possibly eight feet long those legs would tend to be longer than we would expect but would proportionately look shorter because of their overall height right i may be just mumbling but i think i think i'm making my point here so. yeah 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 and, and you know that's the whole thing with this is that you know there, there's everything in the with you know surrounding bigfoot and you know i've said it i've said it a hundred times and I even think I've heard, I really like Shannon's uh, podcast a lot. I like, I like her point of view. Uh, I, I, I even think I've heard her say it. That if anybody tells you they're a Bigfoot expert, they're not. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Run away. Everything, everything is perception, uh, estimation, conjecture. It's, you know, it's just, it, it's what, you know, there's nobody that's really, you know, to, to my knowledge, there's nobody that know you know, that is a, a true expert and everybody, everybody is, is, it's going to be, it's kind of, it's kind of like politics. It's, it's, it's real. It's real. It's, it's everybody's opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talk. Well, to and, and, and like my Sorry. guest, uh, from, from a show previous, uh, back to James lady, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned in that episode, it's like, you know, there's, there's so many people going out there trying to get the perfect picture or pro trying to get the perfect video. 
um, that's going to be in, you know, ultra HD and it's not going to be bouncing around and there's not going to be any motion blur. And, you know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. The, the odds right. of, of it are, are very, very slim. So what are we left with? We're left with the peripheral evidence that they leave behind, which are right. footsteps, you know, hopefully in, in a part of the ground that is, is castable. We're yeah. looking for, we're looking for structures. You know, I mean, even if there's bobcats in, in the state of Michigan, you know, they're not building structures, <laughs> you know, no, Bears aren't building structures. So you've got, you've got the footprints, you've got structures, you know, possible, uh, EDNA. If you, if you come up on something that you think may be a, uh, a nest, um, you know, the possibility of getting some hair samples or some EDNA from the uh, environmental side of it, you're, you're left with the least frustrating portion of, of investigating these things is taking a stronger look or a harder look at the things that you can get a hold of. And typically they're footprints or, you know, the structures they leave behind rock pilings, you know, some people who have habituation situations that are going on, you know, you can photograph different gifts that are left and audio recordings, you know, which is James, James seems to specialize in, in, move more into that arena as far as doing the audio. But man, you know, when you set a recorder out and it's going to record for 12 hours before you go pick it back up again, that's a lot of audio you got to go through. Yes, it is. And then the filters and, and all the different things you have to do to try to pull that information out so that it's audible to, to us. It's uh, there's a lot of work behind it. You know, it's not just as simple as going out into the woods and saying, okay, I'm going to go see a Bigfoot today. Right. And, uh, you know, going back to going back to the, the Luther area for a snowmobile trip with uh, two other friends of mine. And I did not have a snowmobile at the time. One of the guys had two of them and he said, he could, you know, I could use his extra. And uh, we left after work. Cadillac is a, a pretty decent drive. And, uh, yeah, it is. you know, in the middle of winter, it's dark already. We got up there. We got everything unloaded into our cabin. It was uh, it was probably around two o'clock in the morning. The the one of the three of us was he was he was anxious man. He was like, "Come on, let's let's get the sleds out. Let's go for a late night drive through the." And, and this was right in what? I'm, do you know what the name of the forest is? There, right there in Cadillac. Say that again. I'm sorry. There, the big national forest that's right there in Cadillac. I, I can't remember the name of it, but that's the yeah, that's I, the property we we're on. And, uh, yeah. so we decided to, to gear up, we put our clothes on and we went and got the sleds out and we went for a good hour and a half, two hour drive, you know, at roughly four o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. And, uh, both, both of their sleds were considerably better than the sled that I was getting to use. And they were, they were putting some distance between themselves and me on this long, uh, long straightaway. I'll be honest with you, man. I was, I was, I was at the back end of that, uh, that train. And <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, holy shit, man, something could reach out from behind one of these big ass trees and just yank my ass right off the snowmobile. And yeah, uh, 
I mean, I, I did. I had an overwhelming, you know, please don't die. Please don't stop. Please don't, you know, anything go mechanically wrong with this sled. Just keep moving because, at, you know, 25, 30 miles an hour, I don't think anything's going to catch me. But then again, you don't know. And, right. Uh, that was that was a that was a hair raising experience. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. not very I was not very comfortable doing that at that hour. In fact, but it's uh, dark out there. It is, and you know, and it's that next day we yeah. we went through and we we drove until we hit Luther, Michigan, and uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, Luther is very near. Uh, a a fairly well known uh, dogman report. Yeah, I think there's actually actually has been. Um, there was a podcast that I had listened to that it was a retired county sheriff that was on the program from that area, mm-hmm. and uh, he had talked about uh, some. I, I believe he was Lake County, which Lake uh, Luther, I, I believe, is in Lake County. Baldwin is definitely in Lake County. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big, big chunk of the big chunk of the Manistee National Forest is in Lake County, and then I believe going further north and then heading up towards the east, which I would think it would encompass where you were, where you started at, uh, mm-hmm. out um, would have been part of the Huron. National Forest there in Cadillac. I believe you're um, right. Yeah. Uh, but this guy had some had some pretty interesting pretty interesting stories. And there's another podcast. Um, the, the name of it escapes me right now, but he the guy is um, originally from the Michigan from Michigan, um, and uh, he did a uh, maybe a multi part series about the Michigan Dogman. Pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> well, I just oh. uh, I just had an interview with uh, Shitan Noir, who's a author, uh-huh. and um, she was actually on my show for the Sea Serpents of the the Great Lakes episode. Yeah, yeah. and I listened uh, to, I listened to that yesterday. We did an, we did another episode about the uh, the Dogman phenomenon, so that'll be coming up here oh, shortly. Cool. But, you know, that area up there, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it cracks me up when people say, you know, there's not that much woods out there. They couldn't, they can't, they can't possibly elude us. We're everywhere and we all have cameras and we all have cell phones and we all this and we're all everywhere. And that's not at all true. When you drive through the state of Michigan, especially when you start getting up to just above Grand Rapids, yeah and and on up there is an awful lot of wooded area and you know september i was up on the uh the manistee river for a three-day weekend kayak trip there was one night and it was interesting because there were three of us and uh we had we'd kayaked for a good part of the day and we set up camp and we had dinner and we were sitting around having a couple of beers sitting at the sitting at the fire and uh one of the gentlemen was uh he, he was having more beer than we were and uh he he was he was hitting it pretty hard 
And uh, during the time the three of us were sitting at the um, at the fire, we heard we heard an owl, and it was it was a very distinctive sounding owl. Um, it only made one sound. You know, owls for the most part, from what I'm familiar with, are usually uh, like a series of two or three sounds before it does its final. Uh, noise that kind of drown uh, I don't even know how to to describe it but it's like a hoo 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 yep. um this this owl made one noise and it was oh, and it stopped and it it sounded big you know it it it's hard to it's hard to put into words but it just, it sounded voluminous. It sounded like there was a lot of breath behind the noise. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't too long after that. There was another one, but it seemed much further away. And, um, we were kind of the, the Manistee river. It tends to be kind of snaky. So, you know, it's, it's twists and turns. My gut told me that the first one that we heard was, for the most part, directly across the river from us and not that far away. The second one that I heard was much, much quieter, meaning that it would be further in distance. But that sure. one gave me the impression that it was on the same side of the, uh, the same side of the river that we were, but further behind us. Yeah back the way we had come and then a third one which sounded like in my estimation would have been on the same side of the river as we were only up ahead of us not quite as far back as away from this the second sound and it was a oh and then you would hear the second one and then you would hear the third one and it was it kept going in threes you'd hear one two three it wasn't like you heard a bunch of them you heard three of them and, and I didn't put this together and, you know, maybe this is just me putting together dots in my head that, that don't exist, but there were three of us sitting at the fire, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm leaning towards the thinking that, you know, whatever is making this noise is recognizing that there are three of us and the guy who was overindulging, he decided to get up and go lay down in his uh, hammock and go to sleep for the night which was unfortunate because he had just put a couple more logs on the fire and we weren't comfortable with leaving the fire unattended while we slept. So the second guy and myself, we decided to stay up at that point. We heard two knocks, very, very distinctive knocks. And I thought it was odd that, you know, after we had come back and I had actually pulled out the recording of it and uh, or pulled out my phone and recorded the, the owl hoots, but after going back and, and playing that whole scenario through my head over and over again, it was like, so when there were three of us at the fire, we would hear three owls. And then the, the one guy gets up and goes, and he's no longer visible as a silhouette by the fire, right? Now we're hearing two knocks. And that happened two times. There was a knock, a knock, and then the friend of mine that we were with, he went over and picked up a large branch 
and tried to make a knock and it it really didn't make much of a noise. And in fact, it broke no. when we hit the tree. <laughs> it's um, really tough. It's really yeah. tough to do impromptu wood knocks with deadfall. Yeah. Um, but as soon as, as soon as that happened and, and the branch broke and then he tossed it on the ground and looked at me, he goes, well, I wasn't worth a shit. And then there was another <laughs> two knocks. And I was, you know, when I, when I started putting it all in my head, I'm like, you know, is that, are they counting? Yeah. Are they counting us? Because when there were three of us, there were three hoots, but when there were only two of us, then there were only two knocks. Like a roll call. You know, is that random or is that, is that something that's, you know, they're doing that's letting others know or indicating to others that there's now there's two of us where there was three of us. Or, you know, I mean, we'll never know, but it just, it just seemed right. like a very odd, strange, strange coincidence. Yeah. I, I believe that they're, they're, you know, they're fully aware of what's going on in their woods. Most all of the time, it's like, you know, you see these people that, you know, they try to sneak into the woods and, and, and sneak up on them and you're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the sightings that happen or the encounters that happen are, in my belief, are either by very very lucky hap- you know happenstance. Just just you you just caught them and they you know they were you were in a location where they you know they're going about their normal daily business and you just happen to be in the right place at the right time and it's just you know it's just like a uh, a strike of lightning luck or my second theory on it is, is because they, they, they want, you know, they want it to, they want you to see them. They're, they're allowing it to happen. Yeah. I think you know, you're right. I think, I, th- I think either they're, we're either catching them when they're making a mistake and they're either occupied yep. with something else that, that has their attention fully. And the other, the other ex- explanation is they're, they're actually okay with you seeing them They're Yeah. For whatever reason, for whatever the, the circumstances at that point, they, they place a value on, on allowing you to see them, you know, whether that's to, to scare you off or to yeah. uh, send a message in some, some way, shape or form. I, I think it's, I think most, you know, or most experiences are either they're occupied and, and it's an accident that they're being seen or they're intentionally showing themselves. Yeah. Um, so when you and I were texting, I, I told you, let on a little bit about this sighting. It's, it's not a, it was, it's, it wasn't a sighting of mine, but it was, uh, it was a sighting that person that I, I was told, you know, firsthand from the person that experienced the sighting, retired special forces military guy for a long time. He did uh, several several tours in Afghanistan. Very capable, big outdoorsman. He so he, you know he's not he's very he's a very man's man kind of guy. He doesn't have uh, any any tendencies of being a goofball whatsoever. Very very mm-hmm. button down, right? Red very flags. button down kind of guy was hunting. Somewhere off in the area in 
off the Appalachian Trail, I believe, in Tennessee, when he had shot a deer and it took off on him. So he was tracking it and it was getting to be just about dark. He knew that, you know, if, if he didn't find the animal soon, you know, he could, he could, you know, pick up the, the, you know, tracking it, uh, you know, the next day, but chances mm-hmm. were by that time, it, it would almost not even be worth it in this area. Cause I mean, there's, there's all sorts of predators out there. So he was tracking this thing and he could hear it moving, but he couldn't see it. It was, it was far enough away from him that he couldn't see it. And then finally it stopped. He couldn't hear it anymore. So he thought, well, okay, this is good. So he didn't know exactly where it was at, but he kind of started doing tighter and tighter circles in this area. And he kind of came across what he thought was a game trail, but he thought it was kind of big for, you know, for a game trail. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, there's a lot of wild animals out here. It's a super highway for these things to pass through. And he was kind of following it. And, you know, by this time he's using red light and he happens to flash the light off to the side of the trail and he sees the deer over there. The deer was still moving and, uh, he went over, dispatched the deer and, you know, in those areas, I mean, he's, I think he said at this point in time where he was hunting, he was 10 miles from camp. So he's got a quarter that, you know, field dress it, quarter it out, pack it out. And he, he has to do it in the dark now because he, you know, he's not equipped to stay out there all night. And he said, as he's starting to field dress this deer, he kind of just glances around and he's got a, he's got a, a headlamp on which using the red light. And he's also has a handheld that he's using it. And he, his handheld kind of would convert it, it. It was one of those ones that had like three little legs. So he could convert it into like a, you know, a tabletop or a lantern type thing. And as he said, as I was positioning the legs on that light, I kind of just scanned the area and I saw this small, kind of odd looking about 50 yards from me, the small, odd looking pine tree. And he thought, man, that is a weird looking tree. That's, That's kind of something I'd be interested in seeing during the daylight. But he didn't think much of it. He's thinking to himself, I need to get this thing packed out, get it wrapped, get it in my pack and get the hell out of here before I wind up with a bear or, you know, a mountain lion of some sort or some other predator coming after him with the meat, you know? So as he's going through this process now, you know, he's, you know, it doesn't take me very long to field dress a deer, but, you know, field dressing a deer and then quartering a deer out is a, completely different story you know so he's working at this and he said there was a couple of times he heard what he thought was somebody like sniff he thought man that's weird so he's kind of you know grabs that like scans around again and he kind of scans it back and shines it on that tree again and he's just thinking to himself that is the weirdest looking tree there's something not right about that tree so he just kind of you know going back to what he's doing trying to hurry up and get this. And not that he was, I don't think that there was fear as far as like, you know, he was, he was armed and, and he, you know, I mean, this guy spent lots of times in the mountains in Afghanistan and there's a lot of weird crap that goes on there. So 
I don't think there there was fear, but he just said there was just something odd about the whole thing. So he gets this deer all packed out, however he however he does it, and he's ready to go. And right before he throws the pack over his shoulders to start hiking back out, curiosity gets the best of him. And there was just something not right about this tree. So he shines it back at the tree. He's shining it right on the tree. And he starts walking towards the tree. When he gets about 30 yards from the tree, this thing moves. Drops its arms down. Turns and runs off into the woods. Oh, my God. So at that point in time, he said all he could think about doing was running, grabbing his crap, and running the other way. But he said that what this thing was doing was once he got closer to it, he saw that what he thought was branches looked more like hair. And this thing was standing not quite scarecrow style, but had its arms sort of maybe at a 30 degree angle or so. So it looked like interesting strange pine tree, small, you know, one or two year old. I, I don't know how many, how many feet pine tree grow a year anymore. I used to know that off the top of my head, but a, a, a relatively young pine tree, six and a half, seven, eight feet tall pine tree. But he just kept looking at it thinking, man, it, it, there's something not right about it. And you use one of those red lights. They're generally not super bright. They get you enough light to see mm-hmm. what you're doing and they get you and you can certainly six to eight, 10 feet in front of you or so, but it's not like a big 15,000 lumen white light that if you shine on something, it's going to light it up in, in the dark like that. He just, but he didn't want to go to, to a, a white light because he didn't want to mess with his sight vision because he's got a long hike out of there. You know, and he, he wants to be able to see it as best he can. But he just said, every time he hit that thing with light, there was, just, there was something so weird about it. And then when he got close enough to it that he could see it, he said that, 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 that the, the, the leaves or the, the, you know, the, the, whatever the needles or whatever he pursued that he assumed it was, it was just, he said it looked like fur and this thing turned and just, you know, did like an about face and just kind of just took off through the woods. And he said it was, it was weird because it was almost like the thing thought about going down on all fours. But then it just kind of like did, you know, like a, a hunched back kind of run. But it was, he said it was super fast. And, you know, it's, as soon as, as soon as it was, he, you know, realized what was going on, the thing was gone, disappeared into the woods. And, uh, so that That's is, the most, <laughs> that is the most terrifying thing that I've ever heard in my life. And, and so this whole process, this thing was standing there for like 30 minutes watching him do this hardly moved posing as a tree tree. if it did move it it didn't move enough that he noticed that and the thing is is this guy is of course he's in a hurry but I mean he's been in he's been in 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 some serious combat situations night combat situations in mountains in Afghanistan so you know it's it's not like he is I, I mean I honestly as much time as I've spent in the woods and stuff, if I, if I were that far away by myself and I knew that my, you know, my buddies were 10 miles in the other direction, probably back at camp wondering what was going on with me, I, I would be scared, you know, and I would be, you know, I, I probably would have, I would have oh, sure. myself, I would have abandoned the, the, 
tracking the deer as soon as it started to get dark. I, I would have turned back and started heading back to where I needed to be. But the fact that he was, of course, I would have too. <laughs> the fact that he was doing this and going through this whole process and this whole time, this, this, what I'm assuming to be a Bigfoot that's standing there posing as a tree or just posing. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose it's probably in its mind. It, it, it's posing as a tree, but that, that's the scariest damn thing I've ever heard. I mean, it, that freaked me out so bad after he told that me is, that. That is actually terrifying. Every single time after, for a while after that, whenever I'd go out in the woods, man, <laughs> that's the only thing that's on my mind. You know, is, is there going to be something, is there going to be something standing, posing, you know, standing and, and, and looking like a tree and I'm going to walk up to him and it's going to club me over the head or something, you know? <laughs> it was, well, to that to that point, uh, we're we're at, that is that's actually terrifying. Yeah, it really is to to understand that that something has the the cognizance enough to to be able to recognize that it can potentially look like the silhouette of right. a tree if it stands with its arms up because the hair hanging off of it will resemble pine pine needles. That that indicates an intelligence that's far and above anything that's just an animal. Oh that, yeah, uh, yeah, I. I I couldn't agree more, uh, Travis. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. Uh, we're we're two hours yeah. in, and I'm afraid we could talk for another two hours. Yeah. But I just got a text message. I just got a text message from the gentleman that I uh, co-host a, a local podcast with, and uh, <laughs> he's <laughs> he's out hunting oh. turkey. And his text message to me is a picture of the woods. And he says, God damn you, Eric. I can't even step into the woods now without looking for multiple other things other than just turkey yep. or deer and listening for shit. You know, <laughs> this guy, he is, uh, um, for years, anytime I ever brought the subject up would always be the one that rolled his oh, eyes yeah. or blew me some shit about, you know, the topic, <laughs> not, not in a nasty way. He, he always had a little bit of an interest in it, but never would pursue, you know, looking into any of the subject matter. But uh, since he and I had done one big show on our local podcast and uh, it went, it went pretty well. Um, but now that I'm, I'm doing this show and uh, Sasquatch, you know, I mean, I, I want to cover the paranormal in general, high strangeness, uh, you know, as a, a broad canopy, broad canopy. He's like really, really changed his tune on this and and he is now hyper aware of his surroundings when he's when he's out in the woods and you know it's unfortunate that we don't know the truth of of what's out there because you know for the safety of for the safety of people that are out there hunting camping taking long weekends and you know enjoying with their family out in the the state parks and stuff like that if these things are out there and i think they are I think there's I think there's plenty of proof to prove that you know there is something out there that's making these tracks you know now what is it hell nobody right. knows I think somebody knows but you know us general public we don't know but man if they're if they're actually the size that you know people are reporting and they have the capabilities of doing the things that people are saying they're doing and and there's just so many of these accounts that you just can't dismiss them all as being you know right. crazies. Man, you you got to be aware. And, and and my response to him was, "Hey, I love your brother, but I'd rather you you know 
I'd rather you have some some idea that you know something's out there than to be out there just blind and and not paying attention. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes even now with with having done this for as long as I have, you know, it seems it almost sounds silly when it comes yeah. out of your mouth. But my gut tells me this is real. This is a this is an actual thing that's happening, and uh, people need they need to be aware of it. And there needs to be non-toxic, open discussion about it for the people who have, have experienced it in order to, for them to have a, a place to get it off their chest and deal with the after effects of having seen it. No, I completely agree. You know, at the bottom, at the bottom line is at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. The people who have seen these and experienced the things they've experienced need to have a way to vent and deal with the emotions of it because just keeping it bottled up is, is, is going to be harmful. It's not going to do them any oh, good. I completely agree. Well, Travis, I think we're going to cut the show at this point. It's been a great discussion with you. I originally, you told me you had one terrifying story and I thought when you let off with the guy getting picked up and yeah. carried off, I thought that was the terrifying <laughs> one. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> the one, the one with the, uh, <laughs> the ex-military that, that that's, yeah, that's more a terrifying. scary story there's no doubt about it and like i said it made, it made me think every time i went out in the woods so oh for sure travis i appreciate you being on the show with me i'm glad we finally got to touch base and and get this recorded let's stay in Absolutely. contact and i can't thank you enough oh, for I, being I, on. it was my pleasure I, I had a lot of fun i really appreciate the opportunity I like what you're doing, and I'm glad that uh, glad it's going well for you, and hopefully it just keeps, keeps steamrolling forward for you. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I hope so too. Um, if if anybody was interested in your uh, your abilities as a uh, researcher, is there somewhere that you would like people to sure, contact you? Sure, they can you? Uh, contact me through my uh, email account, which is uh, um, Big Search Project at gmail.com get in contact with me that way and then you know from that point on usually what I do is then if they want to get in contact over the phone we can talk over the phone and hopefully if it's something that's that's viable and they, they don't mind me coming to the location and, and checking things out I always love the opportunity to do that so alright folks well you heard it here if you need to if you need the services get a hold of them Absolutely. Travis, again, thank you so much for being with me. All right, and, thank you. Uh, Have a great we'll one. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Thank you for joining me this evening. If you're interested in the area, don't forget, Saturday, May 15th, West Branch, Michigan. Bigfoot Discovery Day's conference and town hall meeting. Tickets are available online at wbbfcom.ticketleap.com. Com. I'll have a booth there supporting the show. So, stop by and say hi. And maybe pick up some show merch. If you haven't yet, like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. Don't forget to visit iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. And leave a review. If you have an uncomfortable experience and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, email us at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.